0: to commas commas is all things tech culture and technology coming together life hacks the practicality right now in the inefficiency of the internet of buying and selling stuff
1: is extraordinary
0: entrepreneurship advice I think the first thing is you gotta understand your business inside out love and tech we have almost reduced dating to kind of this very momentary snap of a person it's gonna be a fire show I have yet to
1: see something these days
0: that's truly differentiated new advice and new inspiration every show we
1: it really is about the next generation of creators going faster, further than we did. And now,
0: Sequoia Blodgett. Now let's start stacking them commas. On this episode, we'll learn from a military veteran turned self-made millionaire and serial entrepreneur how he uses combat tactics to teach entrepreneurship. We'll hear from an ex-NBA publicist who teaches women to switch, pivot, and quit their careers to transition to a more fulfilling life. And do I hear wedding bells? We'll give those special couples who are ready to walk down the aisle tips on the best ways to plan that special day.
1: Entrepreneurship advice. <laughs> Learn from
0: the hottest and most successful investors, founders, and innovators in the game. Determine your greatness. It's time to get your knowledge up. Okay, okay, folks sure, folks sure. It's your girl Sequoia. On Commas, and we got special guest Rock Ryder, a self-made millionaire and serial entrepreneur who teaches founders how to survive their entrepreneurial journeys through some pretty interesting tactics. <laughs> Welcome to Commas Rock. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you, Sequoia.
0: Awesome. So you spent some time in the Army. Tell us about your journey and how that led you into entrepreneurship.
1: I spent a little bit of time in the Army. Uh went through uh airborne ranger training and and when I got out, I, I really didn't know I was going to become an entrepreneur, but when I reflect on what I was able to transfer from the Army into my entrepreneurial life, it was really mostly the, the tactical leadership or the small unit leadership uh, that allowed me to get teams together, uh, teams of entrepreneurs together, and really uh, make a mark out in the
0: that's awesome. And so now you teach a one-week entrepreneurial and leadership training course based around survival that I've actually had the pleasure of going through. <laughs> Not to sure. dive into too many details about what's happens during that course, but give us a little sneak peek and tell us what you think the purpose of it is.
1: Sure. Uh, well, I created survival, and it's really a, a combination of my lessons learned tactically in the Army And then also lessons learned starting new companies and new businesses and new projects. And so at Survival, what we're trying to do is really hone in on entrepreneurial leadership, and inspire students to become heroes or entrepreneurs in their own right. Uh, The program is experiential, which means that we're going to stress the people out just like they're gonna be stressed out when they have to start a company. And we're looking to see how they react to different stresses. Mm And it's that reaction that we're really interested in, the psychological reaction to unexpected things happening to them, uh, the reaction to, hey, if you have constrained resources, how are you going to solve the problem and how are you going to move the dial and accomplish the mission? So that's really what survival is about. It's uh, mostly a, a psychological test for entrepreneurs and a learning environment for people that want to become better entrepreneurs.
0: So let's talk about the idea of being a hero. I attended Draper University, which is a seven-week, all-immersive entrepreneurship boot camp, which is where the survival training actually took place for me. And during that time, we were taught certain skill sets that we needed in order to become successful entrepreneurs. So the theme of heroism was circulated constantly. Why this theme?
1: Well, I think that when you think about a hero, you're thinking about a person that is going to step outside of the mainstream, a person that's going to put themselves on the line, and a person that's going to take risks. And so we're not talking about a hero in the sense of a military hero or a law enforcement hero. We're talking about hero in the sense of an economic hero, somebody that is going to move the economy or create new jobs or you know take that risk, take that, that, that leap of faith to establish a company and run a company. And so that's, that's really what the hero theme comes down to is who are these people that are really going to make a difference uh, in the future of our country and the world.
0: And as an entrepreneur, you're positioning yourself to be a leader and some insecurities can start to bubble up within that process. Let's talk about the theme of universal resistance and fear. What do you think are okay. some good ways for entrepreneurs to push past that?
1: Before we talk about universal resistance, let's, this- incorporate that into entrepreneurial leadership because as an entrepreneurial leader, you've got to get others to accomplish the mission. And so you're, you're really looking to obtain results and outcomes from other people. And that's a standard leadership definition. What really sets entrepreneurs and s- separates them from the rest of the leaders in society is they're going to face a thing which we call universal resistance. And what that universal resistance is, is everything and everyone is fighting you as an entrepreneur. And you have to accept that fact. You have to accept the fact that it's you and you alone versus the universe if you want to succeed as an entrepreneur and to fight through all that universal resistance. And so that, that's kind of the concept of universal resistance.
0: And then what about fear? How does that play into that?
1: Universal resistance creates a great deal of fear within the entrepreneur and you have many different levels of fear. You know, the, the, the fear that you need something else, you got to get something else in your, your, your tool bag before you can become an entrepreneur. The fear that being an entrepreneur is risky, the fear of failure. And then you also have that, that self doubt, uh, that gets placed inside of you. As an entrepreneur, we you doubt yourself, your abilities, or your vision, and so fear is how the universal resistance kind of controls you. And and it's it's, it's you know it, it's re- very real. Every entrepreneur goes through the fear. Um, one of the great fears, I think, for some entrepreneurs is when they skip education to launch their companies. Mm -hmm. So they have a fear that you need to get this college degree before you launch your company. And, you know, when you look at the evidence, that fear is unjustified. But the universe, in this case, college educators and families, want you to take that safe route to get that college degree before you go and you launch a company.
0: Right. And that's kind of what Draper University plays upon, right, is that you don't necessarily need to be a four-year MBA in order to understand entrepreneurship's sake, for entrepreneurship's sake. But do you feel like there are aspects that you would need from college or from the university that you wouldn't be able to kind of understand within that kind of scope of seven weeks?
1: Colleges are great. And They're a great pathway for many people. I would never dissuade anyone from getting a college degree. But if an entrepreneur comes to me and they're excited, they have passion, they've got an idea, and they want to launch a company, and they ask me the question, should I wait for three years to get my college degree? I I would say the answer is no. Mm. An entrepreneur right now, everybody listening to this program has what it takes to launch a company and to become successful. You do not need that college degree to validate your idea. You don't need a college degree to validate your ability to launch a company and run a company. There are great examples. Steve Jobs, Zuckerberg, Michael Dell, Bill Gates. All these individuals did not get a college degree and yet somehow they're able to launch companies And become very, very successful people. And those are just the most successful people that everyone will recognize. There are thousands, thousands of entrepreneurs, thousands of millionaires that never got a college degree. And they just started launching their businesses, selling their products. And so that's kind of where I stand with the college degree. I think it's great for a lot of people. And I would never go up to someone and say, oh, you're wasting your time in college, but at the same time, if, if an entrepreneur comes to me and says, "Hey, I have this idea, should I go to college?" You know, if, if they're passionate, just go with the idea. You can always go back to college.
0: Love that. And also, there's some fallacies that come up, but they just aren't true. What are some of those fallacies that you've encountered, and what are the best ways to address those?
1: Fallacies are these beliefs that society has and we believe in, so it's kind of like you as an individual believe in it, society believes in it, that just are not true. And when, when you look at them logically, it's it's not true. And so the greatest example of a fallacy is the flat earth fallacy. It's very, very simple to realize that the earth is round. Um, and Galileo said the earth was round. And yet all the institutions fought Galileo and imprisoned him. And it took them hundreds of years to accept the fact that we do not live in a flat earth. And that was a fallacy. And so that, that's kind of what a fallacy is. Today, in our environment, we have hundreds of fallacies. These are truths that in America we believe are true that simply are not true. One of them is the the college degree, Um, you know, fallacy. You need a college degree to become successful in America, and without it, you're not going to be successful. That's a fallacy. That's just not true. Um, The reality is you as an individual with your own unique abilities have a chance to succeed in America with or without a college degree. The other great fallacy is... Being an entrepreneur is risky. And today, I was talking to a group of people, and they all said, what about going bankrupt? And it's like, no, entrepreneurs just don't go bankrupt. They they just don't go bankrupt. Uh, Some do, some don't. It's the same as any other demographic in America. The reality is, wealthiest people in our society, in the world, are entrepreneurs. The vast majority of millionaires here in America are entrepreneurs. And so this notion that somehow there's economic risk with becoming an entrepreneur and bankruptcy is looming if you become an entrepreneur, it's just false. It's just false. Entrepreneurs on a whole do much better than any other demographic in our country. And we control the top one percent. I mean, we, we just control the top one-tenth of one they're, percent. They're, they're all entrepreneurs. So if you decide to become an entrepreneur, the, the, the reality is there's a high degree or likelihood that you'll become a millionaire if that's your goal, or you'll be able to reach your economic dreams, whatever those dreams are. So those are just a couple of the fallacies that, that I've encountered as an entrepreneur. And I talk about with other entrepreneurs.
0: So your advice would be don't have the reservation. Don't feel like you have to go to university. If you want to go to university, obviously you can do that, but don't feel like that's a must or a need and just jump right in there and just go after it. Is that the
1: case? Yeah. Well, it's, it's not specifically university. My feeling is we have this thing inside of us that, that it's, it's an emotion called fear. And I can tell you there is very little to fear when you're doing business in America. Nobody's going to kill you. Nobody's going to maim you. Nobody's going to, you know, c- come in and, you know, through violence and take something away from you. That's why, that's why we have these emotion of fears to protect ourselves so that we can survive. Uh, but somehow th- this notion of fear, this emotion of fear has been able to enter into our economic lives and so I really believe that when you feel fear as an entrepreneur that's kind of a trigger to move forward because the reality is it's, nothing out there is that bad nothing out there is that bad so I believe that fear is something that should motivate you to move forward so if you're afraid of your own self abilities when it comes to be an entrepreneur you can sit there for decades and reflect on your weaknesses and inefficiencies or or, or or different things to doubt yourself, or you can just wake up and say, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and see what happens. The reality is there's, there's really nothing to fear with just saying, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and I'm moving forward and we'll see what happens.
0: So basically just jump right out there. <laughs> Use that fear yeah, as motivation yeah. and just jump right out there and go get it.
1: When you, you know, let fear, let your fear be your trigger. You know, you, you feel it. That means go for it and don't be afraid. Don't put it off. If you keep putting it off, you're never going to know what that experience of being an entrepreneur is. That's why I really like to impress upon heroes and entrepreneurs is you just got to go for it no matter what happens.
0: Love that. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Rock. This was some great advice. If someone is interested in finding out more about your work and what you're doing, where can they go?
1: Sure. I would uh, go to Draper University, and you you can go to the website, uh, look at their programs, and really, you know, they have a lot of different programs there. It's It's a phenomenal institution, and I think that anyone that wants to become an entrepreneur or feels like they want to be an entrepreneur, that's one of the first places I would start. You don't have to attend their residential programs in order to get some benefit from that ecosystem.
0: A few episodes ago, we talked about how to launch your business and we went over how to define your problem and figure out the solution to that problem. Now let's get into your target customer and we'll use my old company 7am as an example. Defining your customer. So how do you define your customer? There's so many steps to this. And when you're doing that, you want to make sure that you're actually speaking to potential customers. There's a lot of guessing. There's a lot of validation. And so going back to 7am, when we initially started the company, I wasn't sure who my customer was because I was teetering back and forth between mental health and actually doing relationship coaching or relationship advice. And so what I did was I created a Instagram account and I started to just ask questions. I was like, hey, who out here is dealing with some stuff? Like I add quotes there. Who's dealing with like some mental health stuff that they aren't sure how to tap into? who's dealing with some relationship stuff that they aren't sure how to tap into. And surprisingly, a lot of people were very vulnerable and very transparent about their answers. So I was able to get a lot of user feedback and kind of have a conversation with people who would potentially be my customers. And then I knew who I should be targeting. So I was dealing with a lot of women between the ages of 25 to maybe like 40 years old, nobody that was younger than that. And I quickly learned that those were my customers and I started to target them. I started to put out very specific information so that they knew what we were offering and they were also very excited about it. And as I was starting to roll out the company, I decided to go with relationship coaching first because that was more of the feedback that I was getting versus the mental health aspect of it. And so with that, I was able to launch the platform and basically we took off. So not in the case where we could find product market fit fast. So what happened was we had an investor who was involved and because he was involved, he wanted certain things a certain way. So when you guys get an investor, make sure you understand not to get an investor too fast. Make sure you find product market fit first, because once you find product market fit, then you don't have people telling you what you should and could be doing, right? You want to build that company out first and then bring on an investor because one, they know that they're going to get a return on their investment because you've already found product market fit, which is essential you and the market have come to an agreement that they're excited about your product and so they're actually purchasing it and you want to do that up until the point where you don't need an investor so you want to be making revenue you want to be generating revenue and once you're doing that then you don't have to then you shouldn't be tapping into an investor because what's going to happen is at the end of the day, you're not going to need that person because you've already been generating revenue. So that investor is then brought on to actually scale the company and not necessarily brought on to grow the company because a lot of investors don't want to do that. They want to come in during the situation where you've already found what you need to find. You've already got the customers. The customers are already paying you. And then you're actually going to the point where they're like, okay, I want to invest 10% for an equity, which is like, They want partial ownership, but you can make that decision. You can either decide if it's going to be like a startup, like Silicon Valley scale startup, you can make that decision if you want to scale the company, which means you want to grow it faster. So essentially that money's coming in to help you grow the company faster than you would be able to grow the company on your own. So that's how that works. It's life
2: hacks. Life hacking, baby. Tech
0: tips and tools for everyday needs. Tap in. Control copy these shortcuts and simplify your life. You heard us. us. To all my couples out there, I have got the life hack for you. Do I hear what wedding bells? If so, Zola is the easiest way to plan your wedding and registrar. There are over 500,000 couples who've used Zola and it takes the stress out of wedding planning with free wedding websites, your dream wedding registry, affordable save the date and invitations and easy to use planning tools. You can conveniently manage everything online all in one place. It literally saves so much time for couples. First, you start with a free wedding website and it's so easy and literally just takes minutes to set up. You can choose from over 100 beautiful wedding website designs that fit any couple's style and every type of wedding. Zola makes it easy to personalize your favorite design with all of your wedding details. Add photos, stories about how you two met, travel and accommodations info, and even recommend things to do for your guests while they're in town for your wedding. An FAQ section helps address those awkward questions like, can I bring my kids or do I have a plus one? You can put your Zolo registry on your wedding website so guests can get all the details they need and buy your wedding gifts in one convenient and beautiful place. It literally saves so much time for couples. First, you start with a free wedding website. It's so easy and takes just minutes to set up. You can choose from over 100 beautiful wedding website designs that fit any couple's style and every type of wedding. Zola makes it easy to personalize your favorite design with all your wedding details, add photos, stories about how you two met, travel and accommodations info, and even recommend things for your guests to do while they're in town for the wedding. A FAQ section helps address those awkward questions like can i bring my kids or do i have a plus one you can put your zola registry on your wedding website so guests can get all the details they need and buy your wedding gift in one convenient and beautiful place then build your dream registry at zola zola makes registering for newlyweds life so easy and zola stores has a widest selection of gifts at all different price points there's something literally for every guest to give on top of that guests love the free shipping and returns price matching and and more. Over 500 top brands from OXO to Cuisine Art to Sonos to Airbnb. To start your free wedding website and also get $50 off your registry on Zola, go to Zola.com forward slash fearless. That's zol acom forward slash fearless. Fearless. Yo, 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 yo. Love, life, and tech. With Sequoia Blodgett. Just part of our culture. Because balance is real. Between the swipe culture, mental health, personal growth, career, and just about everything in between. Just keeping it real. It's a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Incredible vibes, incredible people. Love, life, and tech. We've got special guest Ayana Angel on the line, former NBA publicist who left it all behind to start her own podcast network, Maisie Media. She's now focused on helping women understand how how to take control of their lives and make the decision to switch, pivot, or quit. How are you doing, Ayana? I'm doing well. How are you, Sequoia? I'm so excited. So I gave the folks a brief overview, but tell us a little bit more about your background.
2: Okay, so my background started in PR. I used to do PR in LA. It all started with an internship that I had no idea what I wanted to do in the marketing space, but I was introduced to PR and I thought, okay, this is aligned with my skills. So I ended up doing entertainment PR in LA, moved to New York, working for the National Basketball Association to do sports entertainment PR. And somewhere along that journey, you know how when you're a creative and you just want to start creating again, I started feeling like, okay, I need a creative outlet. So I started this side business. It was a jewelry business and it was doing really well. We had our stuff worn by like Beyonce, Alicia Keys, all this stuff. And yeah, and it was good. But for me, what it did was it woke up this sense of Understanding, I guess, that I needed to be doing more, and at that point, I realized that PR wasn't going to be like the end for me. That wasn't going to be my final career, my final stop. So I decided to just start doing some of that personal development work to figure out what was going to be next for me, and that's how I ended up coming about with uh, writing. And I ended up writing this um, fiction novel, and I um, and I basically. I got to a point where I said, I have to make a choice. Either I'm going to stay in this space and keep doing what I've been doing, or I'm going to have to venture out and try something new. So wrote this book, um, quit my job, got a deal, luckily, to get um, my book traditionally published about four months after quitting my job. And then everything just started to take shape from there in terms of a new direction for myself. And I realized also that other people were being inspired by my story. Now I didn't set out to inspire anybody, but I realized what was actually happening. I just wanted to be happy and come to find out so many other people wanted to as well. So that's what brought me ultimately to podcasting and just being able to tell the, stories of people who are trying to make a switch pivot or quit or who have made a switch pivot or quit and just their journeys and allowing people to learn from other people's stories and what they've learned along the way and just giving them tools and insights to help them because we all typically get to a point where we have to make a decision about what direction we're going to go in. And that's a part of how the name Mazy Media came about. We have all these lefts and rights in life that we have to decide which way are you going to go. You don't know what the right way is, but you know ultimately you want to get to this point where you feel successful. So I feel like life is kind of like a maze, twists and turns, but we're just trying to figure it out.
0: How have you been helping other women make these decisions?
2: So I feel like first thing is if you are not already doing so, you need to be listening to the Switch Pivot or Quit podcast because (laughs) that will help you. (laughs) That will help you get some insight into other people's journeys and maybe give you some clues as to what some other people have done that are in a similar position as you. So what I did personally was I just started doing a lot of research, and I started doing a lot of self-assessment as well. You know, on my walk to the train, um, after work, during work, I was listening to things. I was just trying to understand myself better because I have realized that I was at this point where – I was done checking the boxes. I had been going through life just sort of coasting in the way that I was doing everything that was expected of me. But now I'm at this point where I've done everything that's been expected of me. So now what? You know, now I need to figure out what really makes me happy, what really moves me, what what interests me, what do I really want to do day to day? What 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 area do I feel like I can really thrive in? So I feel like that portion it's hard to tell people exactly how to go through that process because it is a process of self-discovery. And my journey may not look like the next person's journey, but I think it, what it comes down to is a lot of research, a lot of being um, okay with not knowing and the unknown and trying to understand yourself in a way that maybe you haven't understood yourself before or haven't even tried to asking yourself the hard questions. Am I doing this because I want to impress other people? Or am I doing this because this is where my heart is, or I'm interested in this, or this is what I feel like I'm waking up to do every day because it's my purpose. You know, a lot of people said to me, you're crazy to want to quit a job at the NBA. Like, why would you ever do that? But you have to follow what speaks to you. My path is not going to be the right path for everybody. And that's the same for everybody listening. You have to do what makes, you, makes sense for you and what's also in alignment with who you are. And that's why I say it's about the personal development because you have to start understanding yourself as a person. How do you want to show up? Are the things that you're doing right now maybe in your professional life, are they aligned with who you are as a person? Does it make sense for you? These these are not the easiest questions to always answer. And that's why I say it's a journey. But you have to really start answering them if you want to make some kind of significant change in your life. If you can't, it's hard to just jump into change and say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Because if you don't really understand yourself, you're probably going to end up in a similar situation that you're in right now, still not feeling fulfilled.
0: You've been doing these pick your brain assessments. What are some of the themes that you've seen for people looking to make that transition?
2: Very common theme is Uh, not having clarity. Not having clarity, having all of these things that they're interested in or things that they've started doing and just really trying to understand how to map things out, how to put things together in a way that other people can digest it. Because it's one thing for you to have an idea or for you to start doing something, but it's another thing to package it and present it to other people so that they can then consume it. Um, And I'm not even just talking about from an entrepreneurial standpoint. Even, you know, as someone who's trying to climb the corporate ladder, if you're trying to make a pivot in your career, you may have to assess and realize how you have to repackage yourself and your skill sets so that other people can then know how you can fit into their bigger picture. So that's one of the common things that I see. Another thing that I see that is a little bit... um, it's a little bit uh, telling of the the space that we're in right now. Is so many people want to be influencers and entrepreneurs, yet mm-hmm. <laughs> they still want to have their nine to five job. And this is the thing. I, it, it looks good to be an influencer online. It looks good to be an entrepreneur. People make it look really good. I'm going to go ahead and say, we make it look really good because we're a part of that as well. And the reality is, is that people are not always telling you everything that it took to get there. And I have to be honest with the people that, you know, do pick my brain sessions with me. It's like, look, are you actually cut out for this in the way that, a lot of people that you see being influencers or social entrepreneurs or things of that nature, this is their full-time job. And yeah. responsibility. Yep. It's, you know, it's just like Beyonce. We see her with a banging body Beyonce or any other celebrity out there with a, just a body that to die for. That's her job to look like that. Unfortunately, she is getting paid by all of us to consume this, image, right? We are consuming an image and she is getting paid to get on stage and look the way that she does and perform the way that she does. Nobody's paying you to do the things that you want to do yet, right? So if they're not, and then you still want to have a nine to five, that's a hard thing to try and straddle both sides. So you have to make sure that you can really that you have the capacity to do both. And most people are not realistic about what it takes to actually be a social entrepreneur, or a social influencer, and have this nine to five job. That's right. a lot. And yeah. in, in some cases, have a full have a family. You know, all the other elements that come along with life too. There's a lot of people that want this lifestyle or want a certain lifestyle, but I have to kind of bring people back to reality. Okay, what is realistic for you? What can you do? Because you don't want to set yourself up for failure either. It's okay to venture out and try new things, but you don't want to be unrealistic about the decisions that you're trying to make.
0: Yeah. And the thing is with the influencer industry too, is people don't realize it's not like a freedom job. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're literally at right. the mercy of a brand. So you're going to do exactly what Absolutely. they tell you to do. You're going to put out whatever copy they tell you to put out. You're going to take whatever pictures they tell you to take. And then you're going to get a check for that. And so I think a lot of people mm-hmm. don't understand that. They think, oh, it's so like glamorous. It is not.
2: <laughs> right.
0: So, yeah. no, Right. <laughs> and
2: it takes a skill set too, you know, and to really hone that skill set you you have to dedicate some time and you probably also have to do some research and see what are these brands looking for? What do they want? How am I going to get on certain people's radar? It's just a full-time thing. And I see a lot of people wanting to do it as a part-time thing. And sometimes you can, you can start like that, but you know, we all, we live in this culture too, where we, we want everything and we want it immediately. Mm -hmm. And I have to be really, really honest with people about what the real road is going to look like if you want to go down this road.
0: It's yeah, it's microwavable. People like, okay, I'm just going to put it in. It's going to take five minutes and I'm going to get it back out. Like, no, that is not Mm -hmm. how that works
2: at all. Not at all. Not (laughs) at all. You don't see the sacrifice.
0: Not at all. So what are some of those transferable skills that you would say that you brought from being an MBA and like being a publicist to now your current situation?
2: You know, it's funny because that's a part of the reason that people book pick my brain sessions with me as well. because I have a marketing background. I have a PR background. And that really worked in my favor. So when people come to me and they have, like, a small business idea or they're already operating a small business, I can help them craft their storyline. I can... Tell them how to make certain moves that will make them more appealing within their space. And that worked for me big time. Like, I, I wouldn't change anything about my career trajectory for that simple reason. When my book came out, I was able to create my own marketing, um, have a a whole entire tour that I was able to put together, having not done that before for a book, but having worked in that space and, you know, put together promotional tours and stuff like that before. So I knew how to put together my bio, a website. I knew how to basically craft a story for people that they could follow along with. I knew how to craft an image. I knew how to um, put certain talking points and things out there. I knew how to approach media, um, all the things that you do to package somebody or something or a brand, and that really worked in my favor. I also knew how to network with people and have certain conversations and get in front of the right people because that's what I was doing anyway day to day. Um, writing was a huge part of what I was doing day to day in PR. That worked in my favor as well. So, I, of course, I could put together a pitch letter. Of course, I could put together, um, you know, presentations and things that I would need to make my journey a little bit easier and smoother. Whereas I understand that not everybody has that background. So, when people come to me, a lot of times they're starting from scratch. This is not their world. Maybe they worked in, like, um, I don't know, some other industry that, you, like, maybe they were in the medical field or something. So this whole trying to get media attention for what they're doing or trying to craft their storyline and, and give people something to, to grab a hold to, that's foreign to them. But for me, luckily, because of my background, it wasn't. So I was really able to use that to my advantage. Why
0: did you decide to start Maisie Media?
2: Okay, I started Maisie Media because when I first got into podcasting, at first I had been dabbling with the idea, toying with the idea for a while before I actually did it, a couple of years. But I knew what kind of podcast I wanted to create. And looking around in the industry when I first started podcasting, it was different being a consumer of podcasts versus being a creator of podcasts. When I started becoming a creator, I realized there's not that many people that look like me that are out there in the mainstream type of way. Although podcasting is still growing... It was like, hmm, this is heavily white male dominated. These are the prominent voices that you hear and and know of, right? So that stuck out to me. Then as I continued to create, people were tagging me on social media when women were posting uh, posts, say, on Instagram saying, hey, I want to hear about some new um, podcasts. Ran and created specifically by women, you know, and I was always getting tagged on these. So I was like, okay, I'm not the only one who notices sort of like the lack. And then there's also a lack of um, ease with discovery, right? So I said I could either do one or two things: I could recognize this problem and just keep doing what I'm doing and try to be the best that I can be within the space, or I could actually do something about it. And so after giving it some thought, I said, okay, I'm going to take a proactive approach and do something about it. I'm going to create this podcast network specifically for women. So what that means is I create content with women in mind. So things that would speak to things that are happening in our lives, the things that are of concern for us. So that was, I guess, the big decision, like, what are you going to do? And I decided to take on the challenge, and that's how we got to where we are today.
0: Are you going to be talking
2: about R. Kelly on any of these episodes? I thought it was more of a reality show at first, okay? I don't know why, but just from what I heard people saying, I thought it was a reality show. But now that I know it's a a documentary, Um, I was reluctant to watch it, but I ended up watching a couple episodes. And on the Switch, Pivot, or Quit podcast, no, I will not be talking about it, but... Within the plans of Maisie Media, I have, like, actually dozens of shows that are already, like, the treatments are, like, done and everything. Like, I know where I want to go with these shows, uh, but there are shows where I do want to talk about women's issues of, like, sex trafficking and sex slavery and things of those nature. So, I'm sure that maybe not in the specific capacity of R. Kelly it will that will touch on those topics, but eventually the network will touch on things that are not widely talked about. People don't want to talk about. People shy away from. But pe- but things that impact us as women on a day to day basis, whether we know it or not, you know. So I I I know that that is a direction I do want to go in to touch on some of the you know the topics that make people feel uncomfortable. Really.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I watched the whole thing and it was incredibly uncomfortable. And the thing about yes. it is, oh my gosh, like, I think a lot of people are like, well, we've been hearing about it. We've seen stuff about it. How did you guys not know? There is no way that you would ever know the magnitude of what was happening. Uh-uh. Until that documentary came out. So I think having a platform right. like yours and being able to have these conversations is super important.
2: Right. I commend them for all of the discovery that it took and probably some coaxing of some people to actually talk about and and tell about the things that they, the information that they were privy to. Because like you said, people feel like, how did we not know? But the thing is, how would we know? Right. like We don't live with R. Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And and we weren't, we weren't inside his camp. So now you have all of these people who were close to him and with and around the situations day to day talking yet. Had we had those people telling what they knew back then? Maybe we would have known the real scope of what he was up to, but we didn't. Everything was silenced. So now everyone is outraged, but, you know, and people are like, well, why, why are you so outraged now? Because we didn't really know all of this. Mm-hmm. We were left to guess. You mm-hmm. know, even with the, the marriage with Aaliyah, that was so like swept under the rug, or um, uh, people saying, no, it wasn't true, or it hurt her, her, and her family saying, no, it wasn't true. What were we supposed to believe? Right. We didn't know for sure. We weren't there, right? So yeah, I I really do. I feel like it is a part of my responsibility to uncover some things and talk about some things that affect us as women within our community that are not widely talked about or maybe just approach it in a different way as well.
0: A hundred percent. Tell me about Amelie because I know you've had some really dope guests on there.
2: Yeah, Amelie was so fun to produce. Um, That, Amelie is basically taking the idea of amassing a million of something in in business and interviewing women who have done just that. So there was a wide range of women that were um, featured on that podcast. And the reason I wanted to do that is because I wanted to show us that as women that you don't have to be in a very specific industry to reach a million you know, and, and, and I'm not even just talking a million dollars because a million dollars is one thing, but if you can amass a million of something that still says a lot, most of us can't even amass 10,000. Something. Right. Here's what I mean. So it's, it's a lot to amass a million of something. And, um, we had women from beauty. We had women from the VC world, which I know you're familiar with. Um, We had women from social, uh, big-time YouTubers and things of that nature. So I really wanted to touch on all of these different women's stories and allow them to speak on their journey. So the episodes are much shorter than things that I've traditionally produced in the past, and it's also just these um, these women and their stories. It's almost like them narrating to the audience and the listener what their journey has been like, and people loved it. And I loved it. I I learned so much. Oh, my gosh. There's so many takeaways. You could just sit there with your notepad like, okay, and what happened next? And what (laughs) should I do next? What should I look out for? You know, all the good stuff.
0: Awesome. So before you go, tell us one superstar story that you learned from Switch, Pivot, or Quit that you've encountered.
2: Oh, gosh. I've interviewed so many people, but, you know. One that always sticks out in my mind, um, Debbie, Debbie is a, she's based in LA and she's has a career in a history being in uh, the radio personality side of things. And she ended up writing this book about crystals and that journal journey. And her book was called crystal bliss. And, and so I was interested in, in talking to her because I wasn't that familiar with the, the, the work of with crystals and the use of them and all of that, right? And she's just a really, really, like, inspiring person. And I, ask, I always ask this question about how do you deal with those days that are trying where you're just trying to keep your head above water and, and just trying to be positive because, you know, things can get hectic sometimes. And her answer just really stuck with me because her answer, I said, what do you do on those days? And her answer was more in line with, what do I do every day? Mm. So it wasn't about encountering this moment or the this one day that throws you off or that makes you upset or that gets you maybe out of your element or that gets you depressed or feeling defeated, what do you do then? She's like, no, what do you do every day or what do I do every day to pour into myself so that if the challenging times come and when they do come, I don't feel so, such an impact buy it.
1: Mm. And I
2: was like, Oh, oh, I like that. So it's more so building up the internal arsenal and the strength day to day so that when you encounter these things, it's not like this huge thing that you need to do to rebound from it. I was like, Debbie, that is good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're like note to self.
2: (laughs) Exactly. It really was like a note to self. So Shout out to her for that because I really, really, like, took that one to heart and I was like, that is a true testament of doing the personal work and the personal development work so that you can just show up better every day and not not always constantly play catch up or try and deal with situations as they come. You're just dealing with yourself on a regular basis and getting yourself prepared for whatever comes your way.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ayana, for dropping those gems. If somebody wanted to plug in, <laughs> <laughs> where can they find the podcast, the network, and where can they find you?
2: Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Sequoia. This has been a fun chat. So I hang out regularly on Instagram under the Switch, Pivot, or Quit um, podcast account. So it's just Switch, Pivot, or Quit. And you can also listen to the Switch, Pivot, or Quit podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Same with uh, the Amelie podcast. Now, Maybe Media is M-A-Y-Z-I-E, media, spelled out, dot com. You can find all of the podcasts that we produce under on that website. And then if you want to check me out personally, you can go to ayanaangel.com, and that's A-H-Y-I-A,
0: in A. This is the plug. You know who's the plug. It's time
2: to get caught up on the hottest
0: in tech. Keep it locked, you heard. With Sequoia Blodgett. I see you, little mama. Alright, so I know you guys have been streaming a lot of content, but I have the plug for you. There is this bum show that's coming to Showtime. It's an original comedy series called Black Monday from executive producers Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. It's 1968 Wall Street. Bad fashion, big hair, and even bigger egos. The Old Boys Club has all the power until an unruly group of underdog traders decides it's their turn to be on top and accidentally causes the biggest stock market crash in history. It's starring Don Cheadle, Andrew Reynolds, and Regina Hall. Black Monday premieres Sunday, January 20th at 10 p.m. only on Showtime. But here's the plug, you guys. You can try a free month of Showtime by going to Showtime.com and entering the code LIP. This offer is for first-time subscribers only and expires February 24th, so get on it. I launched my first company 7am in 2014 after a long stint of working in the entertainment industry as a commercial and music video director. It was hard. Even though I was venture backed by one of the biggest VCs in the game, I still was so confused as to how to actually run, grow, and scale the company. I didn't understand how to convert customers quickly and efficiently. I didn't understand which marketing tools to use and how to create sales funnels. I didn't understand staying niche in the beginning and not boiling the ocean. I didn't understand how to stay motivated during extreme times of loneliness and not getting the results I was expecting. After several years, we ended up closing the doors. I started studying hundreds of really successful entrepreneurs to find out how they not only kept the lights on, but were scaling rapidly. After officially walking away from my first company in 2016, several years later, I launched commas a virtual entrepreneurship resource center. Yes, we're actually a company. I built it to help you guys understand why raising capital too fast will actually hurt you, why you need a team around you to iterate quickly and stay sane, why your business has to stand out because so many people are doing the exact same thing. There are no new ideas. And why it's important not to push your personal life to the back burner. Consider Commas as your entrepreneurship resource guide so you can avoid making the same mistakes that I did. We cover all things from product to marketing to publicity and fundraising. You can learn more about Commas, the actual platform, by visiting commastheseries.com. You can also hit us up on our socials at Commas The Series. Until next week, it's your girl Sequoia, and I'm out.